This morning, we're starting a brand new series that I've entitled Death to Life. From Death to Life. In our last study, we ended up in verse 40 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And that verse is a perfect segue into what we're going to be looking at in our first verse in chapter 15. But verse 40 here, it says, let all things be done decently and in order. And that is exactly the way that we would hope to conduct ourselves as Christians and as the church. But Paul's not going to stop there. And before we get into point number one this morning, let's go ahead and pray and we'll ask the Lord to bless this time. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in this place, Lord, that we consider our home, where we can come and hear from your word. And Lord, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit would speak to us today. And Lord, we ask that you would bless your church Lord, we pray that you, Lord, would provide a building for this church one day, Lord. Lord, we ask that we would be good stewards of every uh, gift and responsibility that we have been given, Lord. We ask, God, that we would use our gifts for your glory. And Lord, today, as we look at the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and its implications upon our lives and what it means for the world, Lord, we ask that you would give us a greater understanding that you would give us a greater hope and greater boldness, Lord, to proclaim the truths that are found in your word. And Lord, we ask for your blessings now as we read your word, as we study it, as we apply it. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And Lord, last but not least, we pray for Stephen and Julianne and little Adelina. Bless them on this, their first Sunday morning, Lord. And we ask that you bless their family in Jesus' name. And all God's people say... Amen. So, Paul's not going to stop with just having things done decently and in order. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is the starting point for point number one today, which is your faith in Jesus is not in vain, we see now in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now that phrase, I don't know about you, but for me, every time I read that phrase, unless you have believed in vain, it is a very scary thing to think upon. It's a very disconcerting thought, unless you have believed in vain. In the Greek language, which you know the New Testament was written in, and I've said that 15 million times, but for those of you that don't know, yes, the New Testament was written in the original language in Greek. That word, vain, really means without purpose, without cause, or without success. To believe without a purpose, without a just cause, to have faith without success. Now, I don't know about you, but I think of how many people out there are making up their own belief systems, whether they realize it or not, picking and choosing parts of different religions that they like and and accepting those things, and then taking parts of things that they don't like and removing them. And they kind of melt them all together into what they call their belief system. And really, whether they would like to admit it or not, they set themselves up as the chief authority on how to please God. I become now the authority on what it means to please God because I don't like what this says here, but I like what this says over there, so I become the authority on how I get to heaven. 
And in essence, it becomes all about them and their ideas on spirituality. Listen to what Proverbs 12 verse 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. And the greatest counsel that we could ever heed is the counsel that is found in God's word. That you would look to it for direction. You would look to it for information of godliness and how to please the Lord. Everything that's pertaining to life and holiness is found in God's word. You know, in the last few weeks, uh, we've been going through the book of Ephesians in house groups. And last week, we studied Ephesians chapter 2. And in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, Paul writing, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And one of the things that we paid particular attention to in house groups on Thursday nights was the immediate differentiation, the immediate comparison between those two opening phrases in verse 8, for grace you've been saved through faith, comma, and then he says, it's not of yourself. It's not of yourself. It's by grace. See, every other religion in the world apart from faith in Jesus is a works-based religion, which means it has everything to do with you. Everything to do with yourself. And so, I ask, is it truly faith in God or is it really faith in yourself to get the job done? I have to do these certain things. And if it's grace, it's not works. And if it's no longer grace, then Jesus died in vain. These are serious things. And when I have faith in myself, really that's the psychology of today. We talked about, hey, just believe in yourself. You can do it. You can overcome It's the willpower of man. It's the determination of the individual to overcome anything that might be in his path. Only problem is you can't overcome the condition of sin. You can't overcome your sinful condition in your own efforts. By yourself. By having faith in yourself. You cannot become the saving influence in your own life. And if you try that, it's only to find out that having faith in yourself To save yourself from your sin, it's all vain. And so people might open the Bible and they say, well, I really like what God has to say here, and so I'll take this part, but I don't like what God has to say over here, so I'm going to reject that part, and then I will find something that I'm comfortable with, and I set myself up for failure because I am not holding fast to what God's Word says. And if my faith is in myself, that's not good news. Because we know that we're imperfect. We know that we make mistakes. We know that we drop the ball. And any other metaphor that I could use to explain to you, you can't do it. We can't do it. That's not the good news for me. Hey, it's all on you to get to heaven. That's what world religions will teach you today. That's why people are stressed out and trying to earn their way to heaven. That's why people are constantly living in fear of what if I would die today and I'm not good enough because I won't find out if I'm good enough to get to heaven until after I'm already dead. And isn't that just a little bit too late of a time to find out? I would say yes, absolutely it is. That's not good news for people. And that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ which Paul preached to the Corinthians. In verse 1 again, he says, Brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, 
If you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you have believed in vain. Let's look at these things here. First of all, first of all, we see received. You have become personally responsible for your relationship with God. And this is what the truth of God's word does. It shows us what the truth is, how it works. It holds us accountable to either accepting it or rejecting it. The choice is yours. But the truth of God's word, when it's communicated, when it's preached, when the gospel is shared, you're left accountable, knowing that there is a way to get to heaven in only one way, and that's through faith in Jesus. And there's no middle ground when it comes to faith in Jesus. They received the gospel message, it says. So you received it. You heard it. You received it for yourself. And then it says they stood upon it. It became their foundation for life. So the gospel of Jesus pierced their hearts. They received it personally. They stood upon it and they were saved by it. This is important because we may have done good in the past. Maybe you might have said, you know, man, I was a youth group leader. I did counseling. I went on missions trips. When I was 15, I did all of these kind of things and I was on fire for the Lord. You may have done good in the past and have a good present relationship with Jesus even right now. Maybe you're saying, I feel good about my relationship. You know, I'm, I'm growing in my walk with the Lord so I have a good past and I have a good present. But you can't ditch the future because of what has already happened. We can't do that. So often as Christians, we'll rest on the laurels of the past, if you will. Hey, don't you know where I'm from and don't you know what I've done? As if those things in the rear can present themselves applicable to the future in your relationship with the Lord. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with with having a good reputation. And I'm not saying throw all that stuff out of the window, those experiences and those things that you've done unto the Lord, because we know that what we do for the Lord is never in vain. What Paul is saying here is that it might be great that you have a past relationship with God. It might be good that you're presently walking with the Lord, but you need to continue in that. You need to continue going forward. You don't get to just get your ticket punched and then you're good for the rest of your life. No, this is a progression where you're in the past walking with the Lord, great, and then currently right now in the present you are, and you need to continue moving forward because you can't ditch the future because of what has already happened. Now, there are things in this world that would seek to distract you and cause you to stumble in your walk with the Lord. If you find yourself living in your past relationship with God and not the present, and with no concern with the future, what a waste those past experiences would be. They'd be in vain. I had this radical experience with God when I was in eighth grade, but now I'm the furthest thing from it. It's in vain. God saved my life because this, I was in this car accident. I was flipping 15 million times and I cried out, Jesus, save me. I'll follow you my whole life. And I lived and he saved me. But, you know, look at me now. I don't think any of us like wasting our time. And with something as important as our salvation, what a shame it would be if our faith was in vain. We can't do it, guys. We cannot be those that bonk at the end of the race, that don't finish the the course. We can't be the ones that look back and say, hey, look what I've done and look what I've been and all this, but then fall off. We can't be that because I've seen that happen too many times. I've seen it happen with people that I know and my own, my own friends extended. Then I've seen it. 
tremendous track record, only to blow it at the end. Don't do that. In verse 3, Paul says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, if you're looking at your Bible in verse 3, it's important to note that Paul says he first received that which he was delivering. Because I can't deliver something that I have not yet received. If somebody came to me with nothing in their hand and they said, we'd like you to deliver this package. I'd be like, what package? I haven't received any package to deliver. How can I deliver to you the truths of God's word if I have not received them for myself? It can't be do as I say, not as I do. That never works. It doesn't work in parenting. It doesn't work in evangelism. You can't tell people this is the right thing to do when you have not received it yourself time and time again I've been thinking these last couple weeks of how important it is for the example that we set for our children as followers of Jesus that I would be able to say son daughter other son your dad has a personal relationship with Jesus and it worked for me God changed my life he gave me victory over temptation he helps me every single day it worked for me son and I know that it will work for you my daughter, how important it is to own it for yourself. How can we give out that which we have not received? Paul received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. No longer would it be that Paul would seek to earn God's favor through good works and his own righteousness, but it would be through the righteousness of God's Son that he would find favor with the Lord. Because Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. He paid your price. He paid my price for all of our sin. Everything that we couldn't stand of ourselves, Jesus paid that price. He died for nice people. He died for not so nice people. He died for moral people and he died for immoral people. He died for those that would receive it and he died for those that would reject it. The playing field is level and all have equal opportunity. And if you believe in Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, you'll be freed from the power of sin and death will lose its grip on you. You'll know that when you breathe your last breath here on this earth, you'll breathe your first breath in the presence of God. And you don't have to worry or wonder if you are good enough because it was never about you because it's not of yourself. It's by grace you've been saved through faith in Jesus and that's what counts. And we cannot look back and say, look what God did in 1998 if we're not walking with God in 2017. That's not the way that it works. It's not supposed to be that way and it shouldn't be that way. And I pray to God that it can't be that way for you this morning. So after Jesus died for the sins of the world, he was laid in that tomb. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, some people think, well, it was accidental that Jesus died. Man, blame the Jews and you've seen a lot of anti-Semitism because of Jesus' crucifixion. Listen, you can blame the Jews, you can blame the Romans. How about you blame yourself? We were actually the ones that God came to save, and it was because of our sin, my sin, that Jesus died. You might want to put the blame on somebody else. No, the blame is ours. 
And it was because of God's great love for us that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. But listen to what Jesus said in John 10, 17 and 18. Jesus said, therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Jesus laid down his life. No one took it from him. He chose to give up the ghost. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus conquered sin and death through dying on the cross, paying the price for our sin because the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins will surely die. And then he rose again on the third day, conquering death, conquering the grave. And not only that, it says after he rose again, verse 5, 1 Corinthians 15, that he was seen by Cephas, whom we know as Peter, one of the original disciples. And then it says, then by the twelve, the group of guys, in verse 6, then after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at one time. And it says, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep or they have died. And lastly, in verse 7 this morning, before we get into our following verses, it says that after, he, and after that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Eyewitness accounts of Jesus' resurrection. Eyewitness accounts. I've seen Jesus after he died. Jesus appeared to Peter. Paul's saying... The greater part of this group of the 500 that saw Jesus at one time, they're still alive. Why don't you go ask them? I'll tell you, when you're lying, I don't know if you've ever had the grave misfortune of telling a lie, and it's been one of those things where it'll eat at you, and the last thing you want is the truth to come out. The last thing you want people to find out is that you were lying, that you said something that wasn't true, and then it comes out, and then you're like, oh, man. He's saying here, if you don't believe what I'm saying and what I have preached to you and what I have shared to you and what the scriptures have said, why don't you go ask the 400 or whatever guys that are still alive that saw Jesus personally. Jesus is alive and he's risen from the dead. He is not in the tomb. You go to every other world religion, uh, world's religion leader and he's still in his tomb, still decomposing. Until from the same earth that he was created from, he has now been disassimilated back into that organic matter with maybe some fragments of bones and skeletons remaining. But Jesus, he's alive. He's risen from the dead. And then last of all, he says in verse 8, it was seen by me. Paul says, I saw him personally myself as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Some of you might just have been like, what? Yes, the same man that we know as Paul, the apostle, was formerly known as Saul of Tarsus. He persecuted the church of God. He arrested Christians. He tried to stomp out what was called the way, those that followed Jesus. He even consented to the very first martyr, church martyr in history, Stephen. The guys that stoned Stephen to death laid their coats at Saul's feet. That was him. He says, I saw Jesus. And I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. I made fun of Christians. I hurt Christians. I arrested Christians. I killed Christians. 
How does that change take place? Because Jesus was alive in his heart and it changed his life. Changed his life. I know that there are some of you here today that have crazy pasts. You've done some. Just call for what it is. You've done some wicked things. And that's just the way it is. And you have old friends that if they heard that you were a Christian or even sitting in church today, they would be bald over. They would fall over. Maybe they saw, you know, something on Facebook about going to church today. Oh, I checked in at Vision. What? This person goes to church? They're a Christian? How in the world is that even possible? I know who you used to be. I knew the stuff that you used to do. I used to do it with you. It's the power of Jesus to change a person's life. And that is what is undeniable. Those are the things that we look at and like, how can that person's life change so radically? This isn't religion. This isn't me doing my time. This isn't appeasing my conscience or somebody invited me and I have to go. This is greater than that. This is the life-changing power of the gospel that is still being preached and taught today. It is the same gospel that was preached to the Corinthians. And this is what he is saying. You need to receive and you need to stand upon and you need to be saved by and you need to continue in and Paul says but by the grace of God verse 10 I think that's why he says this very thing but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace towards me was not in vain but I labored more abundantly than they all and then he says yet not even me not I but it was the grace of God which was with me By the grace of God, Paul was a changed man. Some of us look at other people and we're like, I wish that could happen to me. I wish I could have that peace. I wish I could have that assurance. I wish that whatever they have, I could have. Paul says it's by God's grace that he was a changed man. And the grace that God showed Paul, Paul says it was not a waste and it was not in vain. Because look at my life. I'm on fire for the Lord. I'm doing these things that I know God has called me to do and I know that God touching my life and saving me from my sin and bringing me out of that pit was not a waste. It wasn't a mistake. It was not in vain. Paul, I believe, would even say that it motivated him. It spurred him on to do that which God had called him to do, which was to preach the gospel, sharing the good news of the grace of God and forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus. How can I deliver to you something that I've not received? How can I tell you this works if it hasn't worked for me? How can we be effective in communicating the gospel when we're not standing upon the word of God, applying those truths to our lives and on fire because the Holy Spirit is empowering us today and is going to sustain us for tomorrow because I'm going to continue to take one step at a time, one step at a time, not looking at what happened yesterday, not safe because I'm okay today, but I want to continue to take steps of faith and continue to walk with my Savior as he leads me and guides me every step of the way. In verse 11, it says, therefore, whether it was I or they, some of, someone else, so we preach and so you believed. 
This is the attitude that we need to have as followers of Jesus. As a pastor, me, as a minister of the gospel, I could hear, hey, you came to know Jesus somewhere else? How could you do such a thing? You got saved at another church? Oh, this is ridiculous. Why would you do that? By now, I'm hoping that you're like, what? That sounds really strange. Why would he ever say that? I wouldn't. Because the power of Jesus that changed someone's life, whether it was at this church or some other church or in your bedroom, it's hallelujah, praise the Lord, great things he has done. Often in church culture, and I know that this might be saddening for some of you to hear, but it is a reality, and it can be, their, their churches can be very competitive with each other. Oh, hey, I, um, I saw that they're doing this event on this day. We're going to do ours on the same day. Or I saw this, and oh, well, we better, we can't, we got to watch out, because what if they go to their church, and what if they, we lose people from our church, or whatever? And you know what? It's a trap to fall into. You go to that church, great, praise the Lord. You're growing in your walk with Jesus, fantastic. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. We preach the gospel. The Lord brings the increase. It's not me. It's not some other pastor. It's the Lord that brings the increase. It's the work of his spirit in your life. And so whether it's here or there, glory be to the Lord. Because Jesus came and he died and he rose again. It's not about Garrett came because Garrett didn't die and Garrett didn't rise again. Not yet. And it's not about my power. And hopefully it's not soon either, but you never know. But it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is going to raise me from the dead. And I have that assurance that when I die, I'm going to spend eternity with my Lord and Savior in heaven. And I know that as real as I'm standing here. Jesus is not in the grave. He's risen just as he said he would. And that's the very thing that leads us to point number two. Remember, point number one, your faith in Jesus is not in vain. What's not in vain? Your faith in Jesus. <laughs> and why is holding onto your faith in Jesus not a vain hope for salvation? Well, because Jesus is dot, 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 point number two, not in the grave. Amen. So your faith is not in vain because your faith is in Jesus and your faith in Jesus is not in vain, dot, 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 because Jesus is not in the grave. It says in verse 12, now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, you may have heard of this, you may have not, but there is a belief um, which we'll call today, and what really it goes by is annihilationism. And it's a belief that after you die, you just cease to exist. You're annihilated. So you have no more feelings. Uh, you, you cease to exist. Your consciousness is extinguished forever. So you're just gone. And this is completely contrary, contradictory, the opposite of what the Bible says regarding suffering in hell. See, the resurrection is a great thing. Because for me and for you that have faith in Jesus, when you die, you are going to be raised again and you will spend eternity in heaven. But it's also a not good thing. Resurrection, might I even say, is good and bad. And this is why. 
In John 5, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice, and they will come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So the resurrection is good for those that have done good by putting their faith in Jesus. And it's very, very bad for those that have done evil by rejecting him. Because the same power that's going to raise you from the dead into eternal life is the same power that's going to raise those that have done evil into eternal condemnation. In Rob Bell's book, some years back, Love Wins, he leads readers to believe that because of God's great love, you won't suffer in hell for your sins. This is what would be called in the church as heresy or heretical, going against God's word, what it teaches us. Now, there's nothing like, if we were to think for a moment, running up your tab without ever having to pay it off. Only problem is, is that when you put it on your credit card, it comes back with a vengeance of interest rates. And we think we can sin, 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 and we might say, well, God's love conquers all and just put it on my tab, Lord. There was never signs of repentance. There was never an encounter with God where you were made alive spiritually or born again. Those interest rates apply even more so to sin because if you sin, you die, and you live eternally separated from God in hell. And that's the reality of what God's word says. But due to the severe consequences of sin, maybe some of you might have just had your faces melted off with that statement. Due to those severe consequences of sin, God sent his only son, Jesus, to pay that price so that you wouldn't have to. Yes, the consequences of sin are real and they're severe. But even greater is the love that God has shown by providing a way providing the truth, providing a life through Jesus Christ. Now, a while ago, I used this analogy, but this is the closest thing, at least for this place in life that I'm in. If somebody decided today, you know what, I want to give you a brand new iPad Pro, and not just the small one, I want to give you the big one. You know, the one that's like carrying a TV around with you. I want to give you one of these for free. And not only am I going to give you just the Wi-Fi model, I'm going to give you the cellular one as well. And I'm going to give you an Apple Pencil, and I'm going to give you a smart keyboard, and I'm going to hook you up with everything that you need. And you ask, well, what is it going to cost me? What's the catch? No catch, I'm just going to give it to you. And you don't feel right about it. So you go to the Apple store and say, somebody gave this to me as a gift, and I'd like to pay for all these things now, please. And the guy at the Apple store looks at you the way he should, like you're an absolute crazy person. And... Why, he might ask, would you pay for something that was already paid for? What a rip-off that is. Why would I pay the price for my sin when it was already paid for? Why would I do that? Am I an idiot? Am I beyond, you know, reason? So the greatest rip-off in history is we're seeing where people are going to try to pay their way or try to earn their way for something that, A, they could never properly pay for, and B, when it's already been paid for, why would I want to pay for my own sin? Why would I want to do that? It's already been paid for. It's only in understanding how bad it is that you can begin to grasp how good 
God's plan is to provide a way of salvation. Because Jesus paid your price so that you wouldn't have to. So, if we tell you, Paul says, and we're preaching, Christ is risen from the dead, why are there some of you saying there's no resurrection from the dead? That's a great question for those that would say, don't worry about what happens after life. Verse 13, he says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. It is the power of the undisputable fact of Jesus' resurrection from the dead that brings people face to face with their only way of salvation and entrance into heaven. Jesus rose from the grave. There is a resurrection from the dead. And Jesus proved it with Lazarus. Raised him from the dead. The little boy that was being carried out to be buried in that coffin, Jesus raised him from the dead. And then even Jesus himself raised from the dead. If Jesus was still in the tomb, he would have been disqualified. He would have been disqualified as to who he led people to believe that he was. If he was still there, he would have been a liar, a charlatan, a fraud. Jesus' resurrection from the dead is not a small issue. Jesus would have been forever labeled a deceiver and then everything would have fallen apart after that. But it was because that Jesus rose from the dead. Because he was seen by nearly a half a thousand people at one time and countless others that these same men and women upon believing the words that Jesus said and seeing Him risen from the grave, carried these things so close to their hearts because they knew that Jesus did not only say it, but He backed it up. He substantiated those claims and He proved that the Son of Man has power not only to forgive sins, but to heal, to raise those that are dead to life and to grant passage to heaven. And so they carried those things as they were crucified upside down as they were thrown to lions to be eaten in the Colosseum, as they were beheaded, as they were lit on fire as human torches. They carried those things not to cover a lie, but to proclaim the truth of God's word that Jesus is alive. That's what we're talking about today. If the gospel is dead, our preaching is empty, and so is your faith. If there's no afterlife, there's no resurrection from the dead, Jesus didn't rise from the grave, your faith is empty. And he says in verse 15, yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up and if in fact the dead do not rise or found as false witnesses, false witnesses of God. Spurgeon said this, and I quote, just quick six points here. Number one, the divinity of Jesus rests on the resurrection of Jesus. Number two, the sovereignty of Jesus rests on the resurrection of Jesus. Number three, our justification rests on the resurrection of Jesus. Our regeneration or being made alive spiritually rests on the resurrection of Jesus. Our ultimate resurrection rests on the resurrection of Jesus. That's number five. And finally, number six, the fact is 
that the silver thread of resurrection runs through all the blessings from regeneration onward to our eternal glory and binds them together, end of quote. In verse 16, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. I don't want to be still in my sins. In verse 18, it says, then all those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they've just died. There's no hope for them. Those that had faith before you. Look at the great men of faith. Guys close to our own hearts, you know, Chuck Smith, Hudson Taylor, go throughout history of church fathers, Martin Luther, etc., all the way down. And he says in verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. If Christ didn't rise from the dead and our hope is in Christ, we are pitiful. So what are the effects of no resurrection? Well, that would mean Christ didn't rise from the dead, which means the gospel is shattered and without power. It means that your faith is in a lie. It means that all who preach the gospel are liars. It means that you are still dead in your sins. It means there is no hope for those who have already died believing in Jesus. And to sum it all up, you are pathetic. That's why we believe exactly what Jesus said. That's why we see the power of the Holy Spirit still at work today. Thousands of years later, Jesus still building his church because he's not in the grave. He is risen and there is a resurrection and we will all stand before God and we will all give an account for the things that we have done. See, we cannot pick and choose that, what we, that which we like and dislike about Jesus. And then pick and choose that which we like and dislike about Muhammad. And that which we like and dislike about Buddha. And then that which we like and dislike about the things that Confucius says. We can't do that. If you're a follower of Jesus, it means you live by what God's word says the enti- in the entirety of it. And that what it says is true. And your faith is in Jesus and him alone. So you either take what God's word says as fact and you believe, or your faith is in vain. That is a very serious thing. And that's the point that Paul is driving home. Your faith in Jesus is not in vain because your Jesus is not in the grave. He's risen. And that's where our hope is. Next week, we're going to see the power of the resurrection of Jesus unfolded in the remaining verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Lord willing, in part two of our series, From Death to Life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for this morning. And Lord, I pray, Lord, if there are any here that are in that place where they do not know you personally as their Lord and Savior, that today they would put their faith in you. Lord, maybe they have a mom or a dad that loves you, Lord, that has faith in you, but they do not personally. I pray that today they would. Lord, maybe they're here from or watching someplace from coming from a different religious background. Lord, I ask that you would please, Lord, please 
Help them not to pay the price for their own sin. Help them not to be grieved by the fact that they won't know if they're good enough to get to heaven until after it's too late when they're dead. May they know that it's not of themselves. It is by grace that they can be saved through faith in Jesus. And so, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would send forth your spirit just to minister to your sons and your daughters that you have created in your image. Created to know you personally. And Lord, I pray that if there are any that are here, Lord, that need that relationship with you, that they would respond to the invitation, Lord, and that they would receive you. That they would stand upon your word, Lord, and that they would be saved today. Lord, I pray if there are any here that have walked away from you, Lord, and maybe they could relate to saying, well, I had a great experience with the Lord in the past, but maybe it's not presently there. Maybe they find themselves slipping, Lord, and they're just going further and further away from you. May their faith not be in vain. Lord, you've called them, knowing the mistakes that they would make. May they confess those sins to you and find that there's forgiveness and a new chance right now. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here this morning and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus and maybe you're here this morning and maybe at one time you have and you've walked away from the Lord and if you need to rededicate your life to Jesus or if you need to commit your life to to Him for the first time today, I'm going to ask that just with every eye closed and head bowed that you would just raise your hand and say, yes, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus today. Would you hold your hand up so I can see it? God bless you. Anybody else? If you're here and you would say, you know what, I've never put my faith in Jesus, but I would like to be forgiven of my sins. I'd like to have that hope. Then would you raise your hand too and say, yes, that's me. I'd like to give my life to Jesus today. And I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. And If you're watching this online or watching this on an archive one day or watching this on Facebook, wherever you may be, you too can pray this prayer and I'd like to lead you in a prayer just close your eyes and bow your head and mean this in your heart and pray this prayer say dear heavenly father I know that I have sinned but I ask that you would forgive me of my sin and fill me with your holy spirit I thank you that you love me knowing all about my sin I thank you that you died on the cross for me. And I thank you that you have forgiven me. Would you fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and give me your strength that I may be who you've created me to be. For I give you my life today. In Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for those that have committed and recommitted their lives to you. And I pray now that you would come upon them with the power of your Holy Spirit. Give them now, Lord, that strength that they ask for to repent and to turn from their sin and to follow you. And Lord, we ask, God, for our friends that we've been considering inviting to church, our neighbors, people that we know, we ask, Lord, that this church would be a church that reaches out. 
A church that has boldness to open up one's mouth to proclaim the truths or even something as simple as, hey, I want to invite you to church with me next Sunday. And Lord, we pray that it wouldn't just be in this place that we praise you, but it would be when we leave these four walls and we're in our homes and in our neighborhoods and at our jobs and at school and doing fun things, Lord, and doing not so fun things. Lord, that we would be able to be in that place of being a light for you wherever we're at. And so, Lord, may you continue to pour out your spirit upon this church. Lord, may you continue to move in a mighty and powerful way. And Lord, we thank you for what you've done here. Increase our understanding of your word. May we own it for ourselves, Lord. May we know what we believe because we know what your word says. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.